when I was growing up, I wasn't great at anything. I was decent at a lot of things, but I wasn't great at anything. I was a decent student. I was a decent athlete. I was even a decent musician. But I didn't want to be decent. I didn't want to be average. I didn't want to be even a little bit above average. I wanted to be great. I wanted to be the MVP. I wanted to be the valedictorian. I wanted to be great, but, but I wasn't great. I, I was decent. Now, maybe there are some of you here today that can relate to how I felt when I was growing up, when I was in school, in high school, in college, and that's how you felt. Or maybe, maybe you're here today and you were great. You were the MVP. You were the valedictorian. You were the stud on campus or the most popular girl on campus. That may have been you. But I want you to know this morning that regardless of where you were then, there is an area that you can be great in today. There's an area that you can excel in today. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have. You can excel in this area. Now listen, are you ready? It's in the area of giving. The Bible says each and every one of us can excel in this area, and it doesn't matter what we have. What matters is who we are. What matters is what's in our heart. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to kind of look through these first nine verses in this chapter. But I want us to begin this morning by looking at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Now listen to what Paul says. He says, But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Now that word excel there means to superabound. It means to exceed expectations. It means to overflow. And Paul says that just as you are excelling in other areas of the Christian life, in your faith, in your ability to teach, in your knowledge of the Word, in your love for other believers, it's now time for you to excel in the area of giving. Now, some of you may say, well, I'm already excelling in that area. And you may be, but you may not be. Because, you see, excelling in the area of giving doesn't mean that we give regularly, we give frequently. That's not what it means. It doesn't even mean that we tithe, though tithe is, I believe, the beginning point of obedient giving. You see, if we're going to excel at giving, we have to step into the realm of grace giving. And grace giving goes above and beyond anything that the law could ever command us to do. And Paul challenges the Corinthian believers to grace giving by telling them about a group of churches in Macedonia that were giving above and beyond. Now these churches would have consisted of churches like the church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Berea. And these churches were in a, an area that was extremely pagan. It was extremely hostile to people.
people who called themselves Christ followers. There was a lot of persecution for Christians and there was a lot of poverty for Christians. And yet, in spite of the persecution that they were facing, in spite of the poverty that they were in, the Bible says that they gave in a radical way. They were an example of radical generosity. He held them up not only to the Corinthian believers, but because this is in the Word of God, he holds up these Macedonian believers, these Macedonian Christians, to each and every Christ follower who has lived on planet Earth since that day. So how can you and I get to the point in our life where we excel in grace giving? Well, Paul tells us four things here that I think are vital. Here's the first thing. If I want to excel in the area of giving, I must first experience the grace of God. I will never excel in giving until God's grace has permeated my life. That's what Paul says in verse 1, and then he repeats it in verse 9. Listen to what he says in verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And then he says in verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now this is important. This is foundational. You see, their radical generosity was not motivated by an emotional appeal that Paul or someone else gave to them. Their radical generosity wasn't even motivated by the need that they saw. Their radical generosity was motivated by the grace of God working in their hearts and their lives. You see, God's grace flowed into them, and then because of that, generosity flowed out of them. I am convinced that when we truly understand and experience the grace of God, we will become generous givers. But what is grace? The Bible says, for it is by grace you're saved through faith. It's not yourself, it's the gift of God. We're told that it's grace that saves us, but what is grace? Grace is, is simply God's undeserved love. We reject God's authority. We rebel against his commands. We refuse his will, choosing our will rather than his will. But rather than punish us and pour out his wrath upon us, which is what we deserve, God lavishes us with his love. The Bible says it this way. For God showed his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, while we were still rebelling against him, Christ died for us. We deserve death, but Jesus took our death upon himself. That's grace. Paul said in verse 9, You know the grace of the Lord Jesus, though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor. Now, I, I think it's impossible for our puny minds to really understand how big of a statement this really is. I mean, think for a moment about all the stars, all the planets, all of the cosmic dust that is in space. The Lord owns it all. It all belongs to him. You 
go up to the highest mountain peak in the world and you take a look across the world and everything that you see belongs to the Lord. You dig deep into the earth and find deposits of oil and rich minerals and gold and diamonds. It all belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. And yet the Bible says, for your sake, he gave it up and became poor. Think for just a moment. Jesus was born in a borrowed stable. He taught from a borrowed boat. He entertained his disciples in a borrowed upper room. And he was even buried in a borrowed tomb. Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. Jesus, who had it all, gave it all up so that we could experience the full scope of his love. That's grace. Jesus gave his very life so that you and I could have life abundantly here and now and life eternally forever. But listen, grace given is one thing. Grace received is another thing. You see, God gives his grace. Jesus pours out grace on each and every one of us, but we must receive it. Here's what it says in, in James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, it's those who recognize their need, who humble themselves before God, who are forgiven, who find mercy, who experience the new life. You see, I will never experience God's grace when I think I'm okay, when I'm doing good, when I don't need God. It's only when I realize how wretched I am, how undeserving I am of God's love. It is only then, only then, that we will ever discover God's grace. And when we experience God's grace, I want you to hear me, it changes us. But the Bible doesn't just talk about saving grace. The Bible also talks about sustaining grace, the grace that covers us as we walk through life, the, the grace that, that God gives to see us through the difficult times of life, the grace that, that God provides when, when we don't have the ability to meet our needs. It's God's grace that puts anything and everything of value into our lives. It's not you. You may think you're a self-made man or a self-made woman. No, you're not. It's God who's given you the abilities it's God who's given you the opportunities. It's God who has given you the resources to do anything that you have. You think that bank account is yours? It's not. It's his. You think that house is yours? It's not. It's his. You think that boat is yours? It's not. His. It's his. And if you don't think it's his, you just watch because he could take it at any moment. You see, it all belongs to God, but God in his grace and in his mercy provides us thing that sustains us but he's so rich in grace that he oftentimes provides us with things simply for our enjoyment isn't god good you see god's grace is amazing and when we understand god's grace it changes everything a biblical example is zacchaeus remember zacchaeus he was a wee little man remember him and one day Jesus was coming to Zacchaeus' town, and Zacchaeus um, was up in a tree, and Jesus said, get, get out of that tree. I want to come to your house and eat. So Jesus went to his house to eat, and we don't know what Jesus said, but what we do know is something happened. When dinner was over, when lunch was over, Zacchaeus said this. 
Everything that I have stolen, I'm going to give it back fourfold. And everything that I have left after I give back everything I've stolen fourfold, I'm going to give 50% of it all to help other people. You know what Jesus said after that? You know what he said? Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. You see, the way that Jesus knew that salvation had come, the way that Jesus knew that life change had happened is because Zacchaeus became generous. He became a giver. Now, that's not the only sign. That's not the only proof, but I want you to hear me. One of the proofs that we've experienced the grace and the mercy of God in our life is we become givers. You see, we don't give out of guilt because somebody makes a pill and we're going to feel guilty if we don't. We don't give grudgingly. We know we should. We don't want to, but we're going to give because we should. We don't give out of greed. You know, I give God $100, he gives me $1,000. We give because we've experienced God's grace. And we experience God's grace, realizing he gave everything for us, it will cause us to give back. If you want to excel in giving, experience the grace of God. Here's the second thing. If you want to excel at giving, you give yourselves wholeheartedly to the Lord first. Listen to what it says in verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Now that word first there is describing first in importance. In other words, they gave themselves fully and completely to the Lord. You see, the reason why radical generosity was not hard for the Macedonian believers is because they had already surrendered everything to the Lord. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler? Remember that guy? He, he came to Jesus and said, what do I need to do to go to heaven? Jesus said, you know what the law says. What does the law say? And he repeated. Jesus said, you do all these things, you'll live. The rich young ruler wasn't too self-aware. He said, I've done all these things since I was young. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and he said, there's one thing you're lacking. Go sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. You'll have treasures in heaven. You know what the rich young ruler did? He walked away disheartened because he was very wealthy you see he wasn't willing to give everything to the Lord and if you're going to ever become radical in your generosity if you're going to ever excel at giving you've got to come to the point where you have given everything to him he is first in your life you see the Bible talks a lot about giving the Bible tells us that tithe is a starting point of giving, and we're not going to get into that, but I just want you to hear me, Christ follower. If you're a Christ follower, the tithe, 10%, is the starting point of obedient giving. You want God's blessings in your life, that's the starting point. But then the Bible tells us we're to give our first and our best to Him. We don't give God what's left over, we don't give God what we don't want we give God the first and the best but then grace giving is goes beyond that grace giving is when we realize God owns it all he's put it in my hands and I want to use it for his glory and and his honor and in a way that pleases him so if you want to excel at giving you've got to first of all give yourselves totally and completely to the Lord there's the third thing if you want to excel at giving, you must learn to live above your circumstances. Look at verse 2. 
Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, I don't want you to miss that equation. You can put this on your note sheet because there's an equation here. And the equation is this, severe trial plus overflowing joy plus extreme poverty equals rich generosity. Now, that equation doesn't make sense, does it? Severe trial plus overflowing joy plus extreme poverty somehow, someway equals rich generosity. And let's talk about some of those words. The word trial, it's the Greek word for tribulation. They were going through tribulations. They were being persecuted for their Christian faith. They were having their property taken for them. They were losing their jobs. They were being beaten and thrown into prison. This was their life. And they were in extreme poverty. The word here for poverty describes a beggar who is destitute, who has nothing. That's the description of these people. They had had everything taken from them. They were being persecuted, and they had nothing but notice what they did have. They had overwhelming joy. One translation said their joy was great. Well, that's crazy, isn't it? Their situation wasn't good. I mean, they weren't part of the popular group in, in town. They were being persecuted. I mean, they, they, they weren't having a great week at the stock market. They had lost everything. The kids hadn't moved out of the house, and now they had some disposable income. None of that stuff. I mean, they had it tough, and yet they were overflowing with joy. How? Well, because their joy wasn't dependent upon the outward circumstances. The joy was dependent upon who they were, what was in their hearts. When I was a little kid going to Sunday school, that's what we used to call it. When I was a little kid going to Sunday school, we learned a song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my what? Heart. Down in my what? Heart. Down in my what? Heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You see, their severe trials and their extreme persecution and poverty didn't matter because they had overwhelming joy that was flowing from deep down in their heart. It was because of whose they were, who they belonged to. And because of that, they had extreme joy in spite of their circumstances. And somehow, some way, their severe trials, their extreme poverty, plus their overwhelming joy, equaled radical generosity. They were having tough times. They had nothing. But because the joy of Jesus was living in their heart, they were extremely generous. You know what that tells us? Generosity is not about the amount you give. It's about what's in your heart. And it's about what you have left after you give. Now, now here's what I know about Americans. I may not know this about you, but I would say that it applies to a lot of you. I know these because they come from the government and everything the government says is true. All right? So the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 
1918 figures, Bureau of Labor Statistics, the most recent statistics, say the average American spends 5.3% of their income on entertainment, going on vacations, going to the movie, having fun, enjoying life, 5.3%. The average American spends 3.1% on all charitable causes. Remember, the Bible says that 10% is the starting point. The average American gives 3.1% to all charitable causes. 5.3% entertainment, 3.1% charitable causes. Now, in 2017, a Gallup survey revealed how we spent our money that year in 2017. So let me give you some of our entertainment, okay? And how much money we spent as Americans. Can I do that? Listen to this. In 2017, we spent $1 billion drinking beer on July the 4th. $1 billion! One day! On that one day, we spent $800 million on fireworks. Can I tell you, $1 billion on beer and $800 in fireworks is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. We spent $4.8 billion eating Cheetos, Doritos, and Funyuns. Funyuns stink. We spent $41.8 billion on fishing trips, $81 billion on bike trips, $12 billion on hiking trips, $26 billion on bird watching. Who watches birds? I mean, we spent $26 billion doing it. $26 billion. We spent $2 billion on chewing gum. Don't put it under the seat. $4.6 billion playing fantasy football. $14.1 billion watching the Super Bowl. I watched it for free. We spent $2.7 billion binging on food trucks. I think my son spent a lot of that. And then we spent $7.4 billion getting our nails done. I'm going to open up a salon. And that's just some of the ways that we spend our money. Now, guess what, ladies? You can do your own nails. <laughs> Don't give me that load of junk. Come to the church, I'll do your nails, and then you'll start doing them. You can do your nails. We spend this much on entertainment and having fun. We spend this much on charitable causes. And most likely, most likely, out of those charitable causes, it's that much that we give to the Lord's work. It's crazy. It's crazy. But their joy that was overflowing from their hearts caused them to be extremely generous. They didn't just give up their funyuns. They gave up a whole lot more than that. That takes me to the fourth truth if you want to excel at giving, and that is if you want to excel at giving, you've got to give beyond your ability. Look at verses 3 and 4. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Did you get that? They gave as much as they were able and even be 
beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the states. Now, how do you give beyond your ability? It's called faith giving. We learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Randy Alcorn has a book entitled Money, Possessions, and Eternity. And in that book, he says there are three levels of giving. He says we can give less than our ability, we can give according to our ability, or we can give beyond our ability. And then this is what he says, and I, I agree with him. I think that his, his estimates are probably fair. He said it's fair to say that 96% of Christians in the Western world give less than their ability. 96% of Western Christians give less than their ability. 3% give according to their ability. 1% give beyond their ability. Most give less than their ability. What that means is we throw God a token gift. You know what a token gift is. You order takeout at at Zoe's or somewhere else that has a drive-thru. Your takeout costs $24.56. You go to the drive-thru window. You give them $25. You smile at the lady and say, keep the change. And she's probably saying, thank you, you stingy, rotten rascal. I mean, that's when we give less than our ability. We have the ability to do so much more, but we just give God a token. Giving according to your ability is when you crunch the numbers. You sit down with your budget. This is how much it costs to live in the house I have. This is what it costs for food. This is what it costs for clothes. This is what it costs for insurance. This is what it costs for, you know, you go through the line, line item by line item, and you have that number there, and then whatever is left over after you've done everything that you need to do, including savings and preparing for retirement and all of that, that money that's left over is giving according to your ability. What I've got left over, I can, I can, I can give some of that if I want to. That's giving according to your ability. But giving beyond your ability is when we push giving beyond the point that the figures add up. We give even when the bottom line says that we shouldn't. When we give beyond our ability, it's when we give up not only luxuries, but we're willing to give up some necessities. Giving beyond our ability is like the widow who took a step of faith, and Jesus said, this woman has given more than anyone else. And all she gave was two small copper coins, but that was absolutely all she had to live on. She gave everything. Compared to the amount of money that other people gave, it was nothing. But compared to the sacrifice she made, it was everything. For most of us, giving according to our ability is a stretch. To even think about giving beyond our ability would appear to break us. But I'm here to tell you, it won't because God is faithful. And when we give beyond our ability and we step out in faith and we trust the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, God steps in and he does what you can't do. He does what I can't do. He does what only he 
says about the Macedonian believers. They begged. They begged for the privilege of giving. Boy, that's novel, isn't it? I mean, most of us pray, pray, beg for the privilege of not giving. Hey, man, I'd love to give, but you don't know my circumstances. You don't know what I'm going through. Man, if I had a million dollars, I'd... We beg out of giving. The Macedonians, they were begging to give. And the thing is, you need to understand, listen to me. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what your resources may be. You can give that way if you walk by faith. Bill Price, who is helping us with, with Beyond, told a story this past week. He was helping a church in Savage, Maryland, between, between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. This church had called him. They wanted to build a children's building. They already had the plans drawn up for this building. He came and he began to consult with them. And that children's building was going to cost eight times their annual budget. Eight times. That's too much. That's too much. And that's what Bill said. Bill said, hey, can't y'all cut your children's building some? Eight times your budget is a little too much. And one of the laymen at that church said, Brother Bill, don't you think we ought to see what God does first? Bill said he was convicted. And so he determined that he was going to try to help this church as best he could to raise eight times their budget to build this children's building they needed. And so they started going through their campaign, kind of like what we're doing with Beyond. And they came to a Sunday, very similar to our Sunday here today, where the children were drawing pictures. They were coloring pictures to describe stewardship. And Bill said he was walking through the children's space, and, and he was looking at the pictures that the children drew, and there was one picture that caught his attention. It, the, the picture was, was broken into two different parts on this side of the picture was this little boy and he was looking in this window and on the other side of the window was a bicycle and, and the bicycle had a $100 price tag on it on the other side of the picture was a little boy walking into the church with a bag of money Bill went to the pastor and he said pastor I know there's a story behind that picture can you tell me the story? And the pastor said, I'd love to. And he said, the boy who drew that, he comes from one of the poorest families in our community. We have literally helped that family several times this year pay their bills so they aren't kicked out of the house they're living in. They are a poor family, but this little boy loves our church and comes to this church. For Christmas this past year, he wanted a bicycle, a $100 bicycle. He had already picked it out in the store but his parents couldn't afford to get him that bicycle. He didn't get it. But he didn't let that deter him. He was determined to get that bicycle. So what he did is he began collecting bottles. How many of you, when you were younger, would collect bottles to get money? I did. He collected bottles. He would sell those bottles, and then he would take the money, and he would put it in a bag. And he would do that in his free time. And every week, he would go to that store, and he would look through the window at the bicycle. But when the church decided they needed this children's building, 
he walked into the pastor's office one day and said, Pastor, our church needs that children's building more than I need this bicycle. And he handed the pastor a bag full of coins. It was $90. It was everything he collected to get the bicycle that he had longed for, that he had dreamed of. Well, Bill said, has anybody got that boy that bicycle? <laughs> and the pastor said, well, you won't believe it. Multiple people wanted to get him that bicycle, and one family went and bought him the very best children's bicycle in that store. But that's not the crazy thing in the story. When the people in the church heard about this little impoverished boy who gave up the bicycle that he wanted so much so that they could build a children's building, God began to work in the hearts of the people. And they raised over eight times their annual budget. Now what does that have to do with us? I don't know what you have. I don't know what you make. But I do know that if you love Jesus, you can sacrifice. I do know if you love Jesus, you can make a commitment to step out in faith and do above and beyond what you've done before. I know that. I know you can because I know the grace of God. And I know how it works in your life. And we can't all do the same amount. <laughs> we can't all give the same thing, but we can all sacrifice and so what I want to ask you today is this what is a sacrifice to you what is a faith gift to you we're not building a children's building beyond is not about that balcony that some of y'all are sitting in if it was about building that balcony listen to me we wouldn't have done beyond we would have just absorbed it into our budget beyond isn't about that Beyond is about fulfilling the Great Commission. Beyond is about a vision to plant campuses and churches and send missionaries all around the world so that those who do not know Jesus can know Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that if you can't get excited about trying to reach the world for the one who poured his grace lavishly out on you, then nothing will excite you. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Our beyond dream is six and a half million dollars. That's way less than eight times our budget. But it's way more than we've ever raised before. Way more. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take faith giving. Because to be honest with you, we don't have a lot of rich people in our church. I don't know if we have any rich people. If you are rich in resources, by the way, and you want to talk about it after the service, I'd be happy to meet with you. <laughs> be happy to. I, I, I will help you unload some of those resources for the glory of God. But here's what I do know. Even though we may be a church of middle income, lower than income, some a little higher than income people, we are people that can sacrifice take a step of faith for the glory of God to reach the world for Christ and I believe if we do we will see God through us raise six and a half million dollars to do more over the next ten years to send out missionaries to plant churches
churches, to start campuses throughout the Midlands, throughout North America, and around the world than we've ever done before. But it's going to take a step of faith. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to pray. Pray. If that offends you, you got bigger issues. Pray. And then second, I'm asking you to listen. Because if you pray and you're seeking God, unless there is sin keeping you from hearing God, God's going to speak to you. Pray. Listen for God. And then step out in faith and obey. And here's what I believe. I really do believe. I believe if you pray and you listen because of what this is for, you will make the commitment to give the biggest faith gift over a three-year period that you've ever given. And I didn't even say the biggest gift. What you, what you make a commitment to do may not be the biggest gift you've ever given but at this stage of your life it's the biggest faith gift it takes faith you're going beyond what you can do trusting God to work because if we do that we will see God do incredibly abundantly beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine even in our wildest dreams. And I believe that God will not only work in us, changing us, He will work through us to change the world. And I believe, I just really do, that He will work for us as well. So that's what I'm asking you to do this week. Pray, listen, and then as God speaks, be obedient, whatever he tells you. But I want to challenge you. The Bible tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. Now I want you to bow your head with me. In just a moment, we're going to have the altar open up, and it's the first time we've been in here since May, and we're going to have the privilege to come down and pray for those people that we've been praying for that are far from the Lord. But I'm asking you to come down to the altar and join me in praying for something else. I'm asking you to come and begin praying right now, publicly, for God to speak to you and show you what is beyond for you. But secondly, you may be here and you've never experienced the grace of God in your life. You don't know what it is to know the undeserved love of Jesus. If that's you, then, boy, we don't want you to leave this place without knowing God's grace. And so as we stand in just a moment, I want to ask you to do something. If you're here and you're saying, I want to know God's grace, I want to invite you to come down the front we're gonna have some pastors down front take one of them by the hand I know that sounds weird but take one of them by the hand and say hey I, I want to know how to experience that grace Rocky was talking about and they'll tell you or pray 
We're going to stand. We're going to sing. Our altar is going to be open. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to do in us and through us. And Lord, my only prayer is that your perfect will will be done. And I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.